Have you ever felt a calling in your life, being pulled in a certain direction, being called to serve in a certain manner? Well, today's guest is going to talk about being called to the classroom, what that looks like, what that feels like, what is the impact of that? Hey, let's talk about it. Like I said before, it, it calls for some gritty faith. It calls for us to check ourselves on how we were raised and the context that we were raised and our opinions about people and all of those pieces. And because I wrote this book from a, a faith perspective, I wanted to leave room for the Holy Spirit or however that looks in someone's particular spiritual journey to take the words I wrote and use them in a way that applies to their lives. Greetings, leaders, and welcome to another episode of Leadership is Podcast. This is season four, episode nine. I am your host, Jason Muhammad, founder of JM Leadership Development. Hey, everybody, and this is Lakivia Johnson, also known as Lucky. I am the founder and lead education catalyst for Steps Academic Advising and Education, LLC. Thanks for joining us again today. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, listen, we have a very special guest that's going to yes. be with us today. And um, Lucky, I, you know, I'll let you take it from here. Yes, I am so excited to have Christina Moline with us today. She is an author and educator from Minnesota. She has partnered with districts across the country to provide academic intervention support for students who need it the most. She is passionate about advocating for individuals who work with children and young adults as evidenced in her recently published book, Called to the Classroom, Daily Reflections for Educators. As the founder of Team Maline LLC, Christina is cultivating community and empowering educators through daily reflections, connecting teacher teammates from around the world, and much more to come in the future. We are so excited, Christina. I am so honored to have you here and to have you meet Jason, my co-host, um, or I guess I'm his co-host of Leadership Is. How are you doing today, girl? I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am so happy that you are here. Um, I am just, I, I just have to say, Jason, um, her book, Call to the Classroom, Daily Reflections for Educators, is phenomenal. So it is a daily devotional. Matter of fact, let me be quiet. Christina, tell Jason about your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lucky, you could have kept going because you've <laughs> certainly had your voice and your piece in this project as well. Um, but yeah, as Lucky said, it is a devotional resource written um, specifically with teachers, educators in mind, or really anyone who works with our children and young adults and, and empowers them. So um, just a really, a really fun project to work on and definitely one very near and dear to my heart. So tell me this or, or tell us, um, you named it called to the classroom, Daily Reflections for Educators. Why did you name it that? And, and what does that mean? Yeah, so the name of the book actually surfaced after I was a good deal into writing the book. Um, mm -hmm. I had several other ideas kind of swirling around, but as I was writing the reflections and the blessings based on quotes and verses I had chosen, I noticed this theme of calling, like intertwining oh. throughout a lot of the writing. And it just felt really natural to title mm -hmm. the book, Called to the Classroom, 
um, because I do believe ministering to our young people is is such a calling, as you know as well, Lucky. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. Jason, too. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, yeah, Jason. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so how's the weather in Minnesota? <laughs> um, well, I know, Jason, you and I have uh, that in common. I heard that uh, you spent some time in Minneapolis, which is which is such a cool connection. Um, I actually live in West Palm Beach, Florida right now, but my roots and my teaching background is in Minnesota. So in Palm Beach, it's it's warm. <laughs> yeah, very good. Back in 85, when I was about 15 or so, I, I lived in West Palm Beach in the Riviera um, area. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was there to, today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Used oh. to go down to, I don't know if they still have it, used to go down to the um, swap shop. Uh, okay have down there and you know big swap meet they used to have and i loved uh, uh west palm beach florida and actually going back and i think about next year uh to visit with my cousin okay down there yeah so um when you were in minneapolis have you ever heard of a charter school called the the best academy um it sounds familiar Okay, yeah, the CEO was uh, uh, Eric Mahmoud and Dr. Ella Mahmoud. Um, there, it was really an oasis in a desert as it relates to education, coming from uh, the heart of Minneapolis, where 99% of the crime was committed, and the mm -hmm. students were in a 99, you know, percent um, free and reduced lunch uh, environment. However, mm -hmm. uh, coming from that environment, you know they still were exceptional students. Yes, they mm -hmm. had struggles. Yes, they had, you know, family background. Some of them had family background struggles, um, but they still excelled. And, you know, and, and, and if, one of the reasons why was because of their connection uh, to the school culture. Mm, I love you that. Know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so if you can, it's not, and sometimes, you know, like I said, I go off script uh, when I'm inspired. <laughs> I do that. So how important is, you know, school culture and, uh, you know, to the to the success uh, of a student? Oh, I love oh it. absolutely. I think, you know, well, I think probably both Lucky and myself could could speak to that with our different experiences. But um, from my perspective, I think the the culture that you have in a school or even one particular educator can um can make such a profound lifelong difference for a student positively or negatively you know unfortunately yeah. we hear stories of of educators who you know um didn't do the best they could in the area of empowering their students and really instilling that belief but i'm so thankful for the stories we hear of educators who do see those strengths in our students and who do provide a safe environment and empowering environment for students to um, to share their voices, to learn, to grow, to, you know, learn about themselves. I think I think there's just no way to quantify what strong, effective educators can do for students specifically and our communities. Wow. Yeah. So excellent. Just to kind of piggyback on you, Christina, since you brought me up. And and, and guys, just so you know, um, when Christina was writing this book, she reached out to me and said, hey, 
can you proofread this for me? <laughs> I've never <laughs> proofread, a, proofread a book before, but I said, yeah, it was definitely one of the most challenging tasks um, ever, probably at the, up to that point. It was a lot. Um, and then in addition to that, her book was just so powerful and moving to me. And I wanted to kind of just throw that in there because I had to call her a couple of times and just say, hey, this is so powerful. I'm going slowly because it's just so much to take in. I'm so moved. Um, I also feel so energized. Um, there's one piece in the book, Christina, where you're talking about a student who came to you at the end of the school year. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was the end of the school year and the student said, you're the only person who told me good morning every day. Mm -hmm. Just actually Friday, <laughs> I posted something about being kind and it was um, a couple of storytellers. There were a few storytellers on there talking about different situations and it was closed out by Joel Osteen. He is a televangelist, you know, very famous preacher. And he speaks of this guy who used to play, I think his name was Bo, plays basketball with him and never said words at all. He would just show up for years to play basketball and never said anything and then Joel talks about how years later, as he was a preacher, Bo came back, came to church one day and, you know, he didn't know who he was. And Bo said, hey, it's me. And he said, I used to play basketball with you and I used to come and play basketball with you just because I like to hear you say it was nice to see you. You were the mm -hmm. only person who ever said it was nice to see you. And that whole thing just made me cry. But it reminded me of what you wrote um, mm -hmm. about this kid just saying Every single day, you're the only person who ever told me good morning. So mm -hmm. education is definitely a calling. Um, in addition to Minneapolis, Minnesota, you and Jason are both educators. You're also both writers. So I want you both to kind of just tell me about, you know, A, what called you to the classroom or if you felt like there was a call into that and what called you both to start writing? Christina, I guess you can go first. You're our guest, so you go first. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, of course, definitely I feel called to the classroom and, and specifically to the work of advocating for positive change in education, like both mm -hmm. locally and within our entire system. Um, the idea of becoming a teacher was sparked in a really special way for me. And I'll try to keep this story brief, but I do think it's a powerful one. Girl, um, take your time. <laughs> in the summer of um, my eighth grade year, going into ninth grade, my dad, who is a pastor, um, volunteered me to teach vacation Bible school at, at our church that summer. I had never taught before, but he didn't have enough teachers and, you know, classic uh, pastor's kid <laughs> situation. He's volunteered me for the role. Um, and volunteered you. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And um, there were some other adults who were volunteering, but they were helping as like classroom assistants. And one of them, her name is Sherry, approached me after the program um, and introduced herself to me. She said, I'm an algebra teacher at the high school, and I just wanted to let you know that I think you're a really strong teacher. Um, mm, she said, yeah. you connect with the students really well, and I could see you becoming a teacher in the future. And then oh, wow. we're kind of talking back and forth in that conversation. We found out that she was going to be my algebra teacher that fall. And she would be my homeroom teacher for all four oh, years wow. of high school. Whoa, so, that's interesting. Yeah. So it was just a really powerful moment of 
someone noticing my strengths and taking that opportunity to speak them into me. And Mm -hmm. then like, she didn't have to say anything, but as a teacher herself, she began our teacher student relationship by showing me respect. by saying she was in a different position by saying you were an excellent teacher in this context. And um, so now for myself, I feel very intentional about when I notice strengths in my students or my colleagues to say them to them. You know, it it doesn't cost anything. There's no potential for risk, but not saying those things and speaking them when you notice them could could cost everything. So um, that story for me, you know, it lit the spark. And then of course, as the years went on and, and I decided what I wanted to go into that, that kind of stuck. But um, yeah, that was, that was my initial story. The first thought that kind of got me into education. Mm. And writing, what, what called you to be an author, to be a writer? Yeah. So, um, so I really never thought I would publish a book like this. Um, I certainly do not feel like an expert in the area of devotionals or writing about theology, but in my own personal faith journey, um, I had, when I graduated with my undergraduate degree in elementary education, I was looking for a devotional resource for teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I found, like there were some written specifically for teachers, but they were I'll say like surface level, like I just didn't really feel like they hit to the depth of what you all know we experience as educators, which is it's tough sometimes. Like we do really need that gritty faith, I think, in the classroom. And I couldn't find anything that really spoke to that for me. Um, So after a few years of teaching, I just really felt like now more than ever, um, our, our teachers need an empowering resource like this. And so I decided, I decided to write one. Yeah. Wow. With the two of you, Christina and Jason, I could totally be a fly on the wall and listen to y'all all day. And Christina has her book that is like so empowering. So every day is a daily devotional. Every day allows educators to write their intention for today so they can go in thinking positively And then I'm hearing the both of you and all I can think about is how every single day also starts with an I am statement. So I hear you both as educators saying, I am a creator, I am intelligent, I am empowered, and I am resilient. Christina, tell us why you chose to start each day with an I am statement in your book. I wanted to take that same kind of idea of like all the things we are that we usually think of like as um, maybe stressors. Like there's things that weigh on us, like that elephant, like, oh, it's just weighing on us. And I wanted to flip it around in the book and say, but I am in an empowering way. So I am a leader is in there. I am a mentor is in there as Jason, you know, alluded to in his own reflection. And, um, Mm -hmm. but we also have just truths of who we are. I am loved. I Mm -hmm. am worthy. I am strong. I'm strengthened, right? So these words that are truths about us, but we might forget as educators because we're so used to all those other I ams that might weigh us down. Um, so that's that's mm. where that came from because, and I could have thought of more than 180 because certainly we were, there's so many things um, that we could say about who we are as educators. I've never felt so energetic and so empowered in my life. Like doing this 
I should have been so drained, but I was so full of energy because I've also never seen so many I am statements in one place. So every day it was just, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am wonderful. I am great. And at the end of that, I just felt like I was everything. And there, <laughs> like, really, like, I just, you know, I never, and it was all true. I never thought about how being an educator, we do wear all those hats and we do embrace all of those and embody all of those wonderful attributes as good educators. Um, so Jason, Christina had reached out to me after we had Principal Kush on and said that she loved it. And so I wanted to kind of circle back to her because she, Christina, you said you really enjoyed that conversation. So from your perspective as a teacher in the classroom, what were some things you agreed and or disagreed with about what Principal Kush had to say during her episode? Yeah, well, what an inspiring individual, inspiring episode. I really appreciated that conversation. I was like, as I'm listening, you know, I've got my headphones in and I'm like cleaning my house. And I was like audibly talking back to her. I was like, yes, amen. Okay. I was like, <laughs> my dog was probably like, what's going on? Um, but personally, um, I, I could talk a lot about her conversation, but one of the things I found the most powerful about um, what she was sharing is to hear how she respects and uh, trusts her staff's expertise. I really, really appreciated that. So she discussed how um, she will talk with a teacher about their recommendations for a particular student's like 504 plan needs, and then go to the parents and advocate for those needs accordingly. Um, even when she gets pushback from the parents, and I think that speaks to, you know, Jason, what you were talking about as um, a real struggle right now in education is feeling that we don't have a lot of autonomy in our expertise, right? We do feel like we're answering to the parents or, or the yeah. students are not being held accountable. Um, and it was just so reassuring to hear an administrator standing on the front lines and advocating for her teachers. Um, I think it's rare to find that in schools right now. So I was just like, okay, they're out there. Like I was really, I was really excited to hear that. I loved her passion behind that. I feel like there's such a strong disconnect between what parents and community members understand about what we do in the classroom and our expertise in the classroom um, and just all of the things that we're responsible for. And I think at times there can be a disconnect between how educators understand our families that we're serving and our parents. And, and um, we both, both parties might be looking for um, or doing the best that we can with what we have, but mm -hmm. there's a big disconnect. And so I start by wondering if it's just a lack of really hearing each other and understanding, hey, our common goal is our students, right? Mm -hmm. Our common goal is we want your child to be the best that they can be and right. to have the choices that they want to in life. Um, That's right. So where we go with that, right? How we bridge that, that disconnect, I'm not sure. Um, certainly, you know, sometimes I hope that I've, I've been told by some people who read the book that are my book that I just published that, 
um, they're not teachers and they started paging through it and they're like, we had no idea. Like we just didn't know. And, you know, so one thought I have is if someone picks up that book and they're not in the classroom, maybe that builds a little bit of awareness, you know, maybe builds a little empathy, causes them to be more curious. Um, But I, I don't know, I'll push it back to you, Lucky and Jason, how do you feel like we start to bridge that as well? Because I agree, it's it's a, a very prevalent issue right now. I have heard you all say connection. I've heard you all say understanding one another. I've heard us talk about um, Principal Kush's ripple again. And Jason, I heard you mention the innocence in children. So Christina and Jason, both of y'all, like some people might say being colorblind, and I put this in very loose uh, quotation marks, um, when it comes to race is not real. But I've described your book as being colorblind. Now, I come from an interracial family. <laughs> so for me, you know, family was just family. The color is what it was and colorblind, right? Whatever. How would you describe your book? and its ability to appeal to the diversity that is education? Hmm. I think that's a really interesting question because when I was writing the book, I really didn't think of it as colorblind, nor Uh did I really want it to come across in that way. But as you just mentioned, there are so many issues of inequality in our public school system. And we know, you know, as we talked about before, it it has been since the beginning in the, it's embedded in the infrastructure, I believe, of our education system. Um, And so as I was writing, I did wrestle a lot with how explicit to be with these issues. Um, We know it's at the forefront of what we do. Um, We know we are called to the class, we're called to be champions for our Mm -hmm. students in these other areas, but I just didn't know how to navigate that well. So I thought about that a lot. There were definitely like quotes, verses and themes I chose that would have lended itself to me speaking specifically um, to issues of racial bias within our schools or Uh the discrepancy of funding for students with special needs. And we could continue to list so many areas, Uh right? But as I thought about how to address these issues in a a devotional con like a devotional context, I considered a couple things. First of all, I considered that I don't know my reader. While I hope my writing comes across in a way that's relational, um, I truly don't know my readers experiences. A reader who's taught for 30 years in a diverse urban public school versus someone who's taught in an all white, rural, private Christian school is probably going to read the book with very different lenses. Um, Mm. Every teacher, every person is, yeah, every, you know, every person is on their own unique journey of um, awakening. I'm going to use that term that you guys (laughs) talked about in the Juneteenth episode. I love that. Um, I had to, I had to steal that. Um, (laughs) But it it. really does (laughs) Yeah, no, I I loved it. I was like, that that hits the point. I wanted to create a space to allow for a growth and awakening experience personally and professionally, which leads me to the second thing I considered, which is I wanted to leave room for the reader to do some soul work. Um, I've got to be honest, like not everything in the book is sunshine and rainbows, right? (laughs) I think um, 
like I said before, it, it calls for some gritty faith. It calls for us to check ourselves on how mm. we were raised and the context that we were raised and our opinions about people and, and all of those pieces. And because I wrote this book from a, a faith perspective, I wanted to leave room for the Holy Spirit or however that looks in someone's particular spiritual journey to take the words I wrote and use them in a way that applies to their lives. I mm. felt like if I was too explicit about certain issues, it might excuse readers from really reflecting on their own growth and development, mm -hmm. which of course is so important from uh, in our lives of faith as well as our lives of educators. And um, so I think that, you know, it's all about reflecting on what our values are, right? Bias mm -hmm. and inequity come from our personal values, whether right. we consciously realize it or not. We're choosing to prioritize hate over love, like fear over understanding, comfort over awareness. Like, so mm -hmm. I wanted to inspire people to kind of do some more heart work and like reflect on these situations for themselves, however they're showing up in the classroom. I don't know, does that does that come across? Does that make kind of sense? What I'm trying to say? Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I've read some really hard books, um, books that have just taken me. So, for example, The Influencer is a book that I've read. And unfortunately, I don't have the name of the authors right now. Um, but that book was so heavy in just some of the really hard conversations they talked about that it took me some time to get through it because I had to take a break. It, like, you know, just to process what they were talking about. Your book, on the other hand, was powerful and heavy in a way that it was just over-empowering for me and for my spirit. Like, it made me feel so great about who I was. But the content um, or the stories that you were telling well, I could tell and we can read and I didn't know how challenging it was for teachers either until after I read your book. It was awakening for me and it was eye opening. But the way that you spoke about it was not harsh to take. It wasn't hard for me to process. And when it came to really taking this step back and I felt like that's what you were asking us to do as educators, just take a step back and remember who you're there for the child. We don't care if this child is white, black, blue, purple, green, or gray. You are there to make sure every student is safe, comfortable, and reaches their potential to be the best student they can be. That came through in your book 100%. And that's why I had to reach out to you like, wow. Like, I would say that this is Jesus Christ wrote this book, girl. Like, this is so for everybody. <laughs> that I mm. am just honored to have even had the opportunity to be one of the first people to read it and to even have met you. Like, it's so inspiring. And it's just <laughs> this model, girl, like a, a model for teachers. <laughs> I mean, I, I can go on and on. First, Christina, what does leadership mean to you? Next, tell us how we can get your book, girl. <laughs> Um, so leadership uh, means to me, I think, you know, as as you guys know, you've discussed this on the show um, so much. There's so many different definitions of leadership and areas to explore. Um, as I'm learning and growing in my own leadership journey, I find that 
um, you can learn a lot about a leader by observing the people around them or the, those experiencing their leadership. Um, so just kind of look for the evidence. Like, do people around that individual feel comfortable sharing ideas, having difficult conversations? Do they feel genuinely heard when they're with that individual? Um, are they excited and motivated? Do they know their own strengths? Because, you know, oh. as we mentioned earlier, like they should, the leader would have shared their strengths with them. Um, do they feel empowered to show their best work, knowing they might make mistakes along along mm -hmm. the way and in the process? So um, I've increasingly felt that as I see a leader, I want to look for who's around the leader and and how they're acting, how they're performing. I think the evidence speaks speaks very highly. Wow. Girl. And yes. How can we get your book? <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. So you can find Call yes. to the Classroom Daily Reflections for Educators right now on Amazon or on Yay. my website, which is teammaline.com. Maline is spelled M-E-L-I-N-E. -E. And also my website, you learn more about the background of Team Maline find weekly reflections for educators, and you can shop our teacher merch on our online store as well. All right. Thank you so much. I'll go ahead and end in here, Jason, and let you close us out again, everybody. My name is Lakivia Johnson, also known as Lucky. If you're interested in learning more about um, going to college or you want to just figure out how to stay in give me a call at 833-STEPS-12 or visit my website at www.stepsacademicadvising.com. Jason, I didn't want to hack the show. Thank you, Christina. Take us home, man. I am Jason Muhammad, founder of JM Leadership Development, where we assist your organization to fill or build your leadership bench. If you would like to have a conversation on what that looks like, please do not hesitate to give us an email at thejasonamohammed at gmail.com and we will respond promptly. And always remember, leadership is influence and service. Hey, thank you so much for enjoying another episode of Leadership Is Podcast. We have definitely enjoyed uh, Christina uh, telling us about being called to the classroom. But guess what? We have a part two of this that's going to be coming out next week as well. You don't want to miss that. Please make sure that you like, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms that you may listen to. And always remember, leadership is influence and service.